Alrighty, it's Friday, Friday coaching. Um, happy Friday. So I'll just chit chat a little bit while people are coming on. If somebody could indicate to me that they um, can hear me, that would be awesome. And I'm renaming you. Okay, good. Thank you so much. <coughs> okay, so let me throw the uh, request for people to want to be coached. If anybody has anything they want to be coached on, we can get started. Um, if not, then I'm going to start telling you stuff that I'm very excited about. So, um, okay, so I'll just start talking until somebody says there's something they want to be coached on. I'm very excited. I'm so stinking excited because I am doing this advanced coach training and um, it is blowing my damn mind. It's all about feminism, intersectionality. Um, sorry, I'm bad at multitasking here. So I'm gonna keep renaming people. <coughs> Oh, hi, Stephanie. Stephanie, my scribe is joining us today. So um, because we are growing so fast that I think we might actually need an assistant, which is really exciting. Um, anyway, so does anybody want to be coached on anything? Please put it in the chat if you do or raise your hand. And then otherwise, until you do that, I'm going to keep telling you about my class. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, this class, it's called Advanced Certification in Feminist Coaching. And it is created by this Harvard trained law professor who used to be a litigator for women's rights. She's an absolute badass attorney. And um, so for the first time in my life, I'm learning about some of these things that we all experience on the daily being women surgeons um, that have to do with gender, um, gender discrimination, gender socialization, uh, intersectional um, topics like how racism and gender mix or how sizeism and gender mix or ableism and gender mix. And it is just absolutely blowing my mind. So one of the things that has become apparent to me is um, I I'm developing a language for these things that I kind of um, just new on an experiential level, but now I have language for it. So I'm hoping I'm going to be able to share it with you in an effort for us to use these tools um, to understand what we face every day in the hospital. So I'll keep talking unless somebody has something they want to be coached on. So please raise your hand or um, just write in the chat if there's something you want to be coached on. KJC's in the house. KJC, I'm just like going on and on about it. So, okay, cool. We have a hand raised. Athena, I'm going to promote you to panelist. And then you should be able to talk. Can you talk? I'll try and talk. Did it work? Yeah. Okay. This is my first time ever doing this. Yay. <laughs> cool. All right. <clears throat> what you got? Um, I am in a cycle of 
um, overwork and I am in a cycle of the kind of catecholamine surge of just busy, busy, busy. Mm-hmm. I see it happening. I decided to take one day a month to like not do that, mm-hmm. which I did. But I realized that uh, while that day was less, you know, catecholamine fueled, it didn't change anything else about the other 29 days of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this overwork, you know, it is, uh, I just take, accept more and more tasks. I see it happening. Mm. Haven't been able to change it. So do you feel like the cycle of overwork is because you're accepting more and more tasks or is this like a seasonal thing for your type of medicine or can you No, it is, it is a, a me thing. It is a, like, this is the way I have to do the work. This is, you know, if, if patient office hours are going to occur, well, I need to see at least 20 patients in that half day or is going to happen. I need to like fill it to the brim. If I'm going to do some other stuff, I'm going to just, you know, mash as much as possible in there to be as productive as possible. And for what end is like not exactly clear to me why I like, uh, you know, continue to work in that fashion 10 years into practice. Could you guess? Um, I think that I feel like if I'm not working and doing a hundred percent, then maybe it's not enough or, um, it seems to be this like pathologic thought problem that I, you know, I have. So I have goosebumps right now, Athena. So I hope you guys notice I'm choose. I chose Greek goddess names to rename you today. Um, I was just studying for my class and I was just learning about why we do this. And while a lot about coaching is kind of like, trying to be curious about why you're doing the particular thing or thinking the particular thought or that sort of thing, because this is all about self-discovery and, um, you know, self-realization and things like that. What I just learned myself is sometimes we overwork because there are these belief systems at play that we are not even aware of. It's like not in our consciousness because their messages that we've absorbed over a lifetime, just from culture, from, it could be just from messaging on media or the family that you're raised in or whatever messaging we absorb from the very, very beginning, oftentimes um, suggest to us the way we are valued. Does that make sense? Athena? I'm still here, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Technology challenge. (laughs) Can you hear me though? Yes, I can perfectly hear you. Okay. So what, with me kind of saying that, are there, um, is there anything that you can think of? If we kind of like, Tap into your unconsciousness. That definitely makes sense to me. I think that um, if I look at the trajectory 
Can you hear me? Yeah. This is super good because it's just building suspense for everybody. I hope we didn't lose Athena. I think we might have lost Athena. Oh no. I'm gonna keep going with what I was saying until, oh, we lost her, shoot. So <clears throat> basically there are some commonly held beliefs that we're not aware of and they are kind of like bubbling in our unconscious. So when we're not aware of them, it's, there she is. Whoops, I'm like trying to. Uh, I'm here now, I left and reconnected. Hold on, I don't, I want your privacy. There, <laughs> shoot. Um, Hello. Nope, that's okay. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Right? I left and reconnected. Yep. I don't know if that helped. Yes. Yeah, we got gotcha. you. Can you hear me? Sorry, yes. Okay. So did you hear anything that I said about kind of these sub, like things that are unconscious for us? We get messages yes. about what determines our value. And I just wonder what you think determined your value. Um, I guess, you know, the idea of work ethic being a like central value probably in my family is like, really explicit. So I think the idea that how much I work or how smart I work, um, you know, is associated with, I guess, how I'm much I value myself. Mm -hmm. So um, what, can you give us an example of like the way that's valued in your family? Um, my mom is a first, is a, I'm a first generation uh, American and uh, my mom was a, a FMG and mm -hmm. she did OB, came here, had to change in internal medicine, struggled, but, you know, went to work every day in a new field. She still goes to work at 74, seeing patients like, you know, mm -hmm. 30 a day. And so I think it's just been, certainly her course was harder than mine, but um, it's just like been part of the milieu that, you know, you continue to work and, and keep working because it's like part of, I guess, um, how certainly she sees herself, clearly how I see myself as well. Mm -hmm. um, that it is like your duty slash job to make use of all this training and education and, uh, you know, persevere. That's interesting. Okay. So, so now with that little bit of just interrogation, if you will, we can understand why you might have a thought like this is the way I have to to like work, right? Like you have to, mm -hmm. in your mind, constantly be working, working, working. So, yes. so you described that you're in a cycle of overwork right now. And what does that mean? It means not only does it like bleed from seven o'clock to six o'clock every day, mm -hmm. now maybe six o'clock to 7.30s family, bedtime, bath time, this and that. And then, you know, by seven, it's Zoom until 8.30 or nine. And this is happening like three to four times a week. And I obviously sign up for all this stuff and agree to do it. Um, and 
it seems important and it, it, you know it, it's part of the process if you will of, of the job but it also from the outside i can see is excessive like you can't live this way forever although i feel like i have been but i i think it's acutely different now with zoom and how it infiltrates my even after 5 p.m life you know mm-hmm. when not on call et cetera, et cetera. yeah so and then in this cycle of overwork how do you feel I feel like uh, I am revved up 24-7, waiting for the next like dopamine hit of doing the next task and execution and can't ever put it down. Okay, so let's try to break this down into a model for everybody. Okay, so... One of those, that was basically a thought download. So let me just review a little bit for people joining us. And there are tons of different coaching tools out there. And the one that we use in in, um, Common Thread in Room One is this thing called the model. And it's basically just a tool to help us see our brains. That's it. It's um, just something you can do to help kind of uh, disentangle thoughts that are kind of frenzied in your mind and see how they're playing out. So we know that circumstances are outside of us. Our circumstances are neutral. What I'm starting to think of circumstances actually is like what's observable in the world. And then we have thoughts about that. So we assign meaning to the observable world by having thoughts. And then our thoughts then drive our, or create feelings in our bodies and our bodies, then the feeling in our body drives our actions or inactions. And then our actions will create our results. And then What's really fascinating is you can always see how the result will tie back to your thought. And this is really useful because once we understand that this is kind of how things work, then you can really look at your thoughts and decide, is this working for me or not working for me? Is this a thought that I want to keep in practice or is this a thought that I want to maybe release or turn the volume down on or something like that? So I just wanted to give a little review. And now Athena, in that first kind of conversational part of this, and that's called the thought download. One of the things that I thought was interesting is you said, if I'm not working um, like this, it's not enough. And um, you also said something about, this is the way I have to do the work. You said something about it being a duty. So as I repeat those things back to you, the first thing I want you to do is confirm that I heard you correctly or not, and then see what of those things kind of seems to strike a chord. Yes, I think uh, those are accurate. Um, The thing that strikes me is I know that I don't necessarily have to do it. Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, my kind of perfectionism in terms of approaching how to write the notes or follow up on emails and all that. It doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that it's like my rigid approach to doing it that continues that way. So do you feel like you think you have a rigid approach? I think that... I have like adapted to the pace of work being such that I like 
focus on it until it's all done and like don't think that I can then take the day off or the night off until it's all done the truth is it never gets done so in some sense I'm never going to get there because there's always going to be the next like small emails and whatnot and I see so you can't really take a break until it's all done I think I do look for that. Aha, my whole list is finished. Okay. So what's a good way for me to phrase this for you? I can't stop until the list is finished or I can't rest or I can't what until the list is finished. Yeah. Rest and stop. It's both. And I think in this case, what we can do is just put work up in the C, right? Because it could be notes, surgery, clinic, patients, phone calls, any of it. It can go up all of it. Call that work. And so you're, you're, if, if we, if we observe your work and you think the thought, I can't stop or rest until this, until the list is finished. And when you think that thought just right now in your mind, if you just, if you have the ability to just kind of close your eyes and just repeat that thought in your head. How do you feel in your body? Um, you know, revved up, you know, like how do I get all these jelly bean review alerts and emails to inbox zero? Revved. I don't know how to spell revved, but I'm going to make it up. Revved up. So when you feel revved up in your body, what does that actually feel? <coughs> Excuse me. What are the sensations that you appreciate in your body? Like where are they located? What's the quality of it? Um, it's like a sense of urgency. It's a like a focus. And it's also a, you know, if I had to pick a body part, I'd say it's in my chest. It's like not anywhere else. Mm -hmm. What does your chest feel like? Maybe full or tense, tight, not like a pain or anything like that. But mm -hmm. you know, a, if, yeah, if I had to pick a sensation, that's probably the yeah. idea. Um. One of the things that I, I think is really helpful too, um, cause I'm a, I'm a big believer in like finding the place in your body that you're experiencing the emotion. And like, one of the things I'll ask myself first is like, is this an open feeling or a closed feeling? And I think with saying tense, that is probably more like a closed feeling or like a, you know, mm, yes. And, um, and sometimes that's as far as I can get. And it's like, oh, you know, I can get open, closed, happy, sad, mad. And then um, I think, you know, just as an aside for people, if you want to do more work in your feelings, if you're not able to notice what they are very easily, it can be useful to spend some time in your body, like noticing what the feeling actually feels like. It's really fascinating what information that gives you. But anyway, when you feel that, when you're feeling that tenseness in your chest, that closed off feeling, and it's like a revved up feeling, what do you do? Um, I mostly like get to it, get to the list, get to the jellies, get to the view alerts, start to knock them out. Um, I try to pick up my pace. I like set mini deadlines. Like I'm not gonna get up out of this chair until I get this done. Um, I 
I might like stress over to be like, ugh, there's just so much on the plate. So when you like that might be like thoughts that you have in your head about it, like it's never going to get done. Why did I sign up for this thing? Um, you know, everybody needs so much. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Mm-hmm. It's like a little thought loop or rumination or we can yes. call it stress. Um, what else? Is there anything you don't do? I don't, you know, like put it in a bucket of just F it, forget it. I'm not going to like, you know, do that pile of work (laughs) or, you know, the concept that not everything needs to get done or needs to be actioned or uh, is high priority. Like I, I don't just say, forget it. Like, let's do a B minus job on this. Let's just done better than perfect. Like just move on. So you don't do that. No, I, I don't do that. Okay. Um, you don't rest, obviously. Yeah, no rest. Rest is like not. Um, my priority. Is there anything that you do to kind of like combat the high stress or that, you know, like you said, the catecholamines, you know how I, I made a post about this and I can't. Remember. Yeah, I saw your post. I remember exactly what you're talking about. Um, um, like that sort of hyper aroused state. Is there anything that you yes. do to come out of the hyper aroused state or do you just even stay in it until bedtime? I realize the way I come out of it is to like physically be on vacation somewhere else. So you have to like leave. Yeah. Okay. Um, so particularly like in this, if we're thinking about your work now and you're like, I can't stop or rest until this is, this list is finished and you're revved up. So you're knocking stuff out. You're stepping up the pace, setting deadlines, stressing, um, thinking about it, which is stressful. Like don't do B minus work. So like, basically you don't cut yourself any slack. It sounds like. Right. And then don't rest. And if I'm like watching this person as if she's a character, say like on a show, would she look calm and well, or would she look frenzied or would she look like, how could you describe what she would look like as a character? Sure. Yeah. No, calm, not frenzied, um, intense, internal, Mm -hmm. um, like super task oriented like ain't got no time to chit chat, um, you know, maybe closed off, like, you know, loner in order to focus, yeah. um, uh, intense, like, yeah. So like somebody who on the outside might be very polished and nobody would really know what like was actually going on in this person's lived experience. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hot mess. So, right. Like polished on the surface and a stress ball, like basically, um, oh my God, I'm an orthopedic surgeon here. So it's going to take me a minute to come up with it. Um, what's the thing when you have like pheochromocytoma, that's what it is. (laughs) Catecholamine. I'm a a urologist. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, okay. Um, I just wanted to kind of get a sense for like this, what is the lived experience of this person, which is you, like, what is your lived experience? Because honestly, like this, the circumstances outside of us, T-F-A-R is your lived experience. And so when, when you're walking around, even if it's polished on the outside, but the hot mess on the inside, it's like really exhausting, you know, like bandwidth sucker. So um, can you see what the result is with this thought? Um, this thought is like a self-fulfilling prophecy of yeah. continue to do more 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 that's exactly right it's like because you think this the work will never be finished mm -hmm. yeah so i think when we use the model it can be very um well let me let me not multitask here um because you think the thought the list will never be finished. So with the model, it can be so tempting to be like, oh, well, if all thoughts are optional, then I'll just pick a new thought and practice that and then everything will be fine. And that works sometimes, but it's not realistic, it, particularly if this is something that is like coming from a belief system. And so what can be really, um, a lot more useful for somebody is to just take a look at the belief system that creates this thought and then try to understand like where it came from. Is it even true? Is this something that's working for me or not? And then once you understand that, then moving toward whatever you want, because you may be like, you know what? I'm a fucking badass. I totally want to keep up this pace. Or you may be like, huh, I think there are like all these other ways in which I'm valuable and maybe I'll try and explore some of these other things or some kind of blend. But the point is, is that it's all too enticing to be like, okay, now let's pick a thought that's gonna make you feel better and like not feel so revved up. But it may mm -hmm. not be something we can solve on a single call, but I would just invite you to just explore what the underlying belief system is. And you already started to touch on perhaps in, in your family, and I'm not criticizing at all because a lot of people value a work ethic. I value work ethic. Um, but is it something that's dominating or something that is really serving you? And then other, other things that we kind of absorb over our lifetimes, especially in Western culture is the idea that women are not valuable unless they do something, right? Unless they look a certain way, unless they provide a certain service to people, whether that's caring for children or caring for elderly parents or caring for patients or whatever, it's like they've gotta be the nurturers or are they gonna be some kind of other workhorse? And it's like our value is not intrinsic in society some people suggest this and I'm, I can see how that messaging can be absorbed. Um, that's been going on like since the dawn of time. So it's not unusual to have a belief that you can't finish until the list is done. Like you can't take a rest until the list is done. I can totally see that. And it makes sense. And it sounds like 
you're a normal person with a normal human brain that's doing Norman, normal human brain things, but maybe you're exhausted now. So how does one change their belief system? That's a great question. Um, so, and Kelly's on the call today too, and I know she only has a little bit of time. So Kelly, are you going to be able to stay or if you're going to have to go, can you quickly tell your opinion and then I'll tell mine? Um, hang on KJC. We want to get her opinion before she has to go. KJC in the house. Unmute. Okay, I know you said you only had like 30 minutes, so I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk before you had to go. Cool, thank you. Um, it's, oh, am, I, am I muted or are you good? Can you hear me? You're good, I can hear good. you. Okay, um, so for me, my opinion on this is start catching, catching the thought and just seeing the thought and being like, oh, here I am rushing to do this thing. Here I am trying to fill a plate. Isn't it curious how I don't want to have an hour of quiet? Isn't it curious how I try to fill this evening with something to do? Just being very curious of it and just seeing it. And that's where the power is of making something that's unconscious, subconscious, become conscious. I, I believe that's a necessary step before you then say, I'm going to choose to have a quiet evening. I'm going to choose to not add something on. Um, as far as just seeing it and appreciating it for what it is, it's easy for you to be in this behavior because you've been doing it for years. It's very comfortable. It's like a well-worn neurologic pathway. And so just starting to be the person who sees the thought and the behavior that comes from it, that's when it'll start to look like there's a little more space to challenge it. Um, I totally agree with you, Kelly Jean. I, I tell you what, if I don't find out what that J stands for in our, in our coaching relationship, I'm just not going to be. So Athena and for everybody else who's watching, this is a really common um, like stages that occur once you become aware of something like this. And these belief systems are at play in lots of different areas of our lives. And I don't want to ever suggest that your belief system is right or wrong. It's not about right or wrong. It's just there. It just exists. So when we first just develop an awareness that it's even there, because as Kelly mentioned, it's like they're unconscious. We don't have conscious awareness of these things working in our lives. So the first step is like, oh, I have conscious awareness. And then you can start to, um, move forward once you're even aware that the problem exists. So it's like, you don't know you have high cholesterol until you get a lab and that your lab tells you you have high cholesterol. You know what I mean? So um, awareness is the first step. Oftentimes what we do, cause we're humans and our brains are just quirky is we then resist because it's not pleasant. You become aware and you're like, well, fuck, that kind of sucks. And so then you don't want to deal with it. And that's totally normal. It's totally normal to push up against it, to want to avoid it and just be like, well, let's just put that back down in the subconscious or unconscious. I but just to, I was just, just to add, oh, sorry. No, please. This, this is where the large, um, you know, daily planner business industry is very successful because we start wanting to solve this with an external solution. 
if I just scheduled my day better, if I just if I just dropped out of medicine, if I just like we try to solve it externally instead of solving it internally. And then I, I also highly agree with the resistance of like, this isn't bad. It's not, this isn't a problem to be solved. It's just kind of an awareness to have to then be able to make the decision of, would I like to stay this way? Or would I like to be curious about seeing what not time scarcity feels like or, you know, whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. And I have to go. Okay. Have a good, are you going to get that thing out of that pelvis? <laughs> we'll see. Hey. Suspense. Okay. So first is awareness. Then, then usually people kind of like resist it. It's totally fine. Totally normal. And when you notice that you're resisting something, it's fine. Resistance isn't a problem. You can just remind yourself, this is happening. I knew it was going to happen. And then even that just like kind of meeting the resistance and saying, welcome resistance. It kind of lessens it a little bit, but once you can move out of resistance, that's really the key. And the way we do that is with curiosity. And I always add compassion to that because we use these tools to beat ourselves up and that's not the point of them. The point isn't to be like, well, it's my fault because I had this belief and blah, blah, blah. That's not the, that's not the point at all. It's like curiosity about this thing and where did it come from? And my goodness, what a interesting thing that's happening in my brain. And once you can kind of get to like this interrogation um, sta stage, excuse me, stage and start really like just checking it out, then your brain starts to move into more of an authoritative position. And these are kind of like just phases that are really common to move through when you're, when you're kind of coming up against a thought or a belief that is, uh, you know, was once you didn't even know you had. And then I just want to also offer that there's a lot of practice involved and a lot of um, just asking yourself questions. So I think one of the things that can be a turnoff, I think as a surgeon is like all the journaling that people suggest that needs to be done. And even the way I say that sounds like so negative and awful, but for us, it's like one more thing to do, which I find abhorrent <laughs> having one more thing to do. Um, so when I do mine, I make it super, super small. And I just ask myself some questions. I have a teeny tiny little book. It's like the, it's the type of book that you collect your cases in. I'll show you. This is how big my journal is. This is the size of a marker. So you can see how small it is. And then just for a few minutes, to just write down your thoughts or ask yourself questions helps open up space around the thought or the belief. And then you can really move into this space where you're like, okay, do I want to keep this? Do I want to release this? Or do I want to use it in some other way in my life? And I know that just like, doesn't sound super concrete, but that's just how it works when you practice. So can I answer questions now for you, Athena, after that little? No questions, but I guess the bottom line is curious questions. Curious questions. That's exactly right. Now, sometimes we're in a, in a point where we are just so overstimulated all the time. And that's kind of where that post was coming from um, on our Facebook group, because I think for us, it's like, 
sometimes you have to just get to the action line and like this all takes time and we're all, you know, skilled and we know how to practice things. But if you're in a constant state of hyper arousal and you just like want to calm your body down, that's where I think getting into the action line and just having a plan to do things to calm your body down can actually be quite helpful. And then get your, that, that'll actually just like slow everything down. So you even have kind of like a little space in your life to even work on some of this stuff. Cause unless, unless you have that space, it's probably just going to feel like one more damn thing to do, you know? So, um, I posted that list of ways to calm down your nervous system. I can repeat that now here if you'd like, or I can post it again, but what'd you say? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So it was just a short list. There are a bunch of different things. Um, somebody was posting earlier about Andrew Huberman, the neuroscientist, and he's really, really interesting guy, but he's the one who talks about, uh, I learned a couple of these things from him. Um, he was talking about doing the physiologic sigh where in any moment you can do a physiologic sigh where you take two inhales and then an audible exhale. So it's like, <sighs> like that. Um, and sometimes we do that without even realizing we're doing it, which is super interesting, but that stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system, um, which we all know kind of dampens that sympathetic response. You can use uh, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So if you look up at the horizon, say out the window, if you're at the office or anywhere where you have a, a view you can gaze out at, you just scan the horizon side to side with your eyes and you take some deep breaths and that, that movement of having your eyes go back and forth across the horizon will calm down your nervous system. I'm not an EMDR practitioner or expert. I've done EMDR um, dealing with something when I was actually in medical school. So I've been a patient or client, but I've never, I'm not like an expert. So this is not medical advice. Um, this is funny, hot bath, I'm not a bath person. And I'm telling you, I have taken like more baths in the last six weeks than I've taken in the last six years. Just because now I know that if I pour Epsom salts in the bath and hot water for 10 minutes, that my muscles relax, my whole body relaxes. So to me, that's very, very effective. Um, I've gotten myself out of the cycle of caffeine, alcohol, caffeine, alcohol, and that took a little bit of doing because I was like you, Athena, I was hyper aroused all day long, jacked up on tons of caffeine. And then um, my scribe is on the, on the call today. And so she knows I just got a matcha maker, a matcha machine. So I'm like, a little bit jacked up on caffeine again, but, um, it was a pretty nasty cycle of, you know, hyper arousal and then doing something to just crash my brain at the end of the day. So I've stopped doing that. So if you can get yourself out of that chemical cycle, that's really helpful. Um, singing, apparently singing or, um, the ohm or humming can stimulate your soft palate, which also stimulates your parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. Um, I know there are more, I can come up with a list and repost it on the group page. Um, okay. So Athena, before we kind of conclude here for you, yours, do you have questions about the model? Sure. What, do you have any questions about the model? 
Did I lose you? Just uh, gonna attempt this. No, I, I can hear you now. Okay. Um, I heard the part, do you have any questions? Um, no questions, just trying to think about how I might operationalize this. Curious questions and space. I have some, I can email you something. Um, Cause I have like a little, a little thing I can email you or maybe, maybe a better thing to do would be to post it like in a blog on the room one page. Um, I think it might be helpful for, for everybody. Um, so, and then that was using this model to talk about just staying in this thought that's not serving us. And then you do have the option to like come up with a different thought as well. And that, can be useful too. So if you want to keep going with that, we can. Um, you tell me. The create a different thought makes sense to me. Um, I've tried that. It just it, it appears like I'm faking it. Like yeah, because you don't believe it, right? Right. <laughs> yes. So can you give me an example of one that you came up with that you didn't believe? Um. I don't have to work this hard. I can actually say no. So like, I don't, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do it this yeah. way. And your brain is like, nope, that's not <laughs> accurate. Not accurate. Okay. Yeah, It, it so, feels like telling myself a lie. Like I'm trying to change the thought by saying, I'm going to think this instead, but somehow it just doesn't get into the thick skull that, that that's, you know, the mm -hmm. alternate thought. So there's a really useful strategy you can do to either bridge to a new thought, which is kind of like more of a lateral move, or you can ladder to a new thought, which is like an ascending move. So the example that you gave is a ladder thought because it's like one thought in a different direction. It's not, it's not like on the same level as this thought. So going from, I can't, I can't stop or rest until my list is finished too. I don't have to stop or rest until my list is finished is like kind of a jump up. Does that make sense? Uh -huh. But sometimes if our brains are like not ready for that, which is super common, um, we can do a thought that's just a little bit subtler. It's like something to make this land better, the current one land better in your brain. So it would be something like, I can't stop or rest until it's finished for now. Mm -hmm. Which adding for now gives your brain, like it, it allows your brain to still keep the thought, but also make it so it's not gonna go on ad infinitum. Does that make sure. sense? Yeah. Or it could be something like, I can't stop or rest until the list is finished and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So those things, those are called bridge thoughts because then if you just practice the, and that's okay, or the, for now, it's, it's easier to believe. It's just like a little more neutral and it just goes just a little bit to the side. And then once you can get there, then, you know, if you have to do a few bridge thoughts, that's fine. But whenever you're ready, then you can start to go to the one where it's like, well, I don't really have to do it like this. It's just, your brain's probably not ready which I just want to emphasize, like, this is just what our brains do. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You are 
perfect as you are. You're 100% valuable and worthy as you are. If you work every day, if you never work, if you shot somebody in the face, if you saved the world from cholera, you would be exactly the same amount of value because it's all intrinsic. But anyway, I could get on a soapbox about that. Um, does the bridging, does anybody in the group here have any questions about the bridging versus ladder thoughts? I'm just gonna rename everybody else so you guys can talk. Um, well, that's a number, so that's gonna be, okay. Does anybody have any questions? Athena, do you have any questions about the, the bridge versus the ladder? I like the concept of bridge. It's like a mini move instead of the the whole bite at once. Yeah. It's um, it, it would not require me to like be someone else. That's so, exactly that right. Is. Oh my gosh, you just hit on such an important concept is that like if it's not in line with who we are, if it like throws us out of alignment, we go into cognitive dissonance and it just creates more stress. So yeah, I, I just wrote down mini move because I think I might steal that term from you. I can give you credit for it. Um, but you're absolutely right. The mini move. It's like easy. It's believable. It's really small. It's really doable. Okay. Um, we have about 15 more minutes. So Athena, if you are okay, then we will go ahead and ask if anybody else wants to have a, uh, something to talk about before. Absolutely. We go. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming forward with this because this is something that affects everybody. And um, it is so, so helpful for other people to hear. Um, okay, so I'll put you back. And then, okay. Does anybody have questions, anything? We've got about 15 more minutes. We can do another quick like rapid fire session, coaching, um, questions about the model, belief systems, anything. Anyone? Okay, so if, you, if nobody else has anything else they wanna talk about, um, that is totally fine. I'm going to keep talking about this class. Um, so this is really interesting because one of the things that I've been coaching um, people on, oh, Amy's here, um, has been on relationships at work. And one of the things that seems like we encounter is like uncomfortable conversations with people like we're women surgeons at the hospital or clinic, and then we encounter other women in the healthcare system that might be nurses or techs or whatever. And we end up having these uncomfortable, um, uh, these uncomfortable interactions with them because we get treated differently by these other women than the men do. So if this rings a bell with anybody, I'm, um, really 
this class is opening up my mind on a way to maybe see this with hierarchies. And before I move on, um, Aphrodite says, I would just like to thank Athena. I grew up with very strong belief systems that I fight every day. God bless you. I love you guys so much. Um, okay. And Amy, I promoted you to panelist if you want to chime in. Nobody wants to be coached right now. So I'm just, I'm just like, I have verbal diarrhea on a Friday night. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. So I, I was actually listening in. I, I uh, was on, I'm on call. I just took out a gallbladder. Um, hey. Anyway, so I was listening in. So I, I heard this, this is like totally me. I totally get this um, scenario that you were talking about, about, you know, revving up and can't, um, uh, you know, stop time. Um, I want to introduce you to this idea that I just finished in this book called the now habit where mm -hmm. they call it the unschedule. So what happens is, is that the, you know, you do your schedule for the week, but you plan your free time off and those, those times off first, mm -hmm. and then you do like your things you have to do. And then you really realize how much work you actually, like how much time you have available for work. Um, it was interesting because it kind of, it, it emphasized the importance of free time because I think the problem is, is that we just don't know how to do free time and don't have how to like, um, you know, we, we don't know how to take breaks, but if we start like consciously scheduling the breaks, like that's something on our schedule that it helped. He called it unscheduling. It was interesting. Yeah. That sounds a lot like Monday hour one mm -hmm. where, you know, you plug in for the week, you know, all of your things you have to do, like eat and sleep and play and do that first, like pay yourself first, and then plug in the time for all the other tasks. And I think that's really interesting. I have noticed in my own life, though, that one week at a time for me to plan out is very unrealistic because my schedule is unpredictable. And I, I know some people as surgeons, their schedule is very predictable and, and others aren't. So I know that practice environments make it a little different, but I like to do what you're talking about, but like shrink it to a 24 hour time period, because that's about the amount of time that I know ahead of time. Oh, okay. Next, before you go, I'm working on it, sister. I'm working on a way to explain these relationships we have with nurses. So um, as soon as I get it, that it, so it's not verbal diarrhea on a Friday night, I will maybe have a webinar for that. It'd be kind of fun. Good luck. Um, <laughs> you guys are so funny. Uh, so yeah, so I was thinking about like the 24 hour time period, Amy, and how um, from just from my own personal schedule, I can, I can make that work. I haven't been as successful getting it for a week of it, a week of it at a time. What do you think? I've been, I'm more of like a, a project person. So that, that whole book, The Now Habit, I was actually going to summarize that as for a blog post because there's so many aspects of that that I think that tie into this, that lead into this model because it's not just free time. It is the concept of, you know, how we pick projects, how we avoid projects, um, you know, things like that, things that are on our list. Um, the And so that whole aspect was was very interesting to me. It's made me focus a little bit more because my problem, like a like bunch of different lists all at once of, of different things. And mm -hmm. so when I stop for a minute, there's always something on the list. And so um, it's, it was interesting, the concept that they introduced, which was, you know, being more focused on each of your projects 
um, you know, and even like focusing on just one and, you know, realizing what all of your um, hesitations are for it, you know, the, the delays that you have, the mm-hmm. insecurities and the perfectionism um, and how we make all these things mean something with projects. And so we almost like buffer with different projects. And so when we take rest, it's not actually rest because we're still wanting to kind of go back to doing some of these other things because being busy is a kind of buffering too. This is interesting because the the thing that Athena brought up was I think something that's really common for our group. And this might be an area where we could go a little deeper um, because what you just mentioned about how like what we make things mean about us is so critical, right? Like the sort of the fuel behind why it's happening in the first place and then to figure out like, I haven't read that book, but it sounds like they actually do address that. Like the things that motivate us to do, to overwork or work, you know, the right amount. It, it really did. Um, and I posted a, uh, something on in um, the Facebook group about the producer, our procrastinator to producer. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all, it's all thought work. It's how we talk to ourselves. Um, and so it, it leads into all those things. Like we can't take free time off because we put so much pressure on these other projects, you know, and it's not the free time so much as the other projects that we have. We, um, you know, we, we, um, he describes a going from point A to point B, like completing a task from A to B is like putting a plank, um, across that. And if it's just walking across a plank, there's no stakes there. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, is that we raise the stakes of this, like, oh, we have to, like, if I complete this task going from A to point B, now this plank is like a hundred feet in the air. And if I fall, I'm going to die, you know, I'm going to lose my job. Everyone's going to think terribly and things. So we raise the stakes there. Mm-hmm. So then we feel like, well, I don't have, I don't want to go across. It's scary over there. It's going to, it means something. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that if we kind of create this like fire in our mind that makes us want to run across the, the, the board, mm-hmm. of course, you know, we do the task because we're high functioning folks. So we'll do the task, but we'll do it feeling terrible about ourselves and beating ourselves up. And, you know, um, and, and the quality of the work is, is difficult. And it took us more time than it did because there's energy in guilt and stress um, mm-hmm. and, inefficiency. Um, and so the, he described this a couple, a couple things that I found were very useful, which is to create a mental safety net. You know, your plank may be up high in the air. Maybe you still want, you know, feel like it's high stakes, but knowing that you have your own back, like if you fall off, what's going to happen, the safety net's going to catch me and I'm going to climb back up and I'm going to go across this plank. Um, so it's, it's that thought of, you know, the way to get past procrastination is, you know, either lower the bar, but you can also just know that I'm going to be there for myself um, if, if something happens. So I thought that was uh, really helpful. Um, then he also kind of described a lot of the um, mindset things that you were mentioning um, of saying that, you know, we really have to refocus when we're moving from one task to another as well. He had the, the deep breaths and the taking two minutes, the visualizing. Um, and it was very interesting where he described visualizing a block uh, or, vi- or vis- visualizing the task that you had in mind that you're trying to avoid. Um, it was interesting because he went into the story of this woman who you know, had this big task. It was going to take weeks. And you know, when she visualized the, the, the task, like how it, it was in her mind, she imagined it was this like big wall and she could, he's like, just, you know, kind of go into your, and I know this is woo, I'm with you on this one. Um, but uh, he said, kind of try to explore, like, you know, let your subconscious mind figure out the problem. 
you know, and so what she did is that she was able to identify this wall, but then she saw kind of a light there. So she ended up finding a door and the door let her go through and she saw, yes, that wall really was thick. Um, and it, it was going to take, she wasn't going to be able to beat it down, but she found a different way to go through that. And so it kind of gave her uh, some thoughts like, I may not be able to know how to get over this wall or break down this wall, but there's probably some other way mm -hmm. to go about it. It was, it was just really fascinating. Um, that aspect. So, yeah. I, I think it's really interesting how sometimes when you use the, the thought work around it, it actually takes something that our brain has made a problem and turns it into a puzzle, which is mm -hmm. different, right? Like it just feels different to be trying to like put pieces of a puzzle together than it does to have to like solve a problem because a problem makes it feel like there's something wrong. And really there's nothing wrong. Like this, this isn't wrong. There's nothing wrong. And then I know you're talking about procrastination, but the, it like procrastination to productivity, but our, but our client tonight doesn't procrastinate. She just has like so much stuff and she just like is constantly doing all of the things. Um, so I think the thought work can help in both of those arenas for people who are. It seems like though that the, um, the focus though is on, it sounds like she's not able to take any time right she's not taking time to rest right mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I think it's the um not forgiving themselves for the projects or you know I I think that um I've had problems with this too when I focus on the rest you know I take time off for rest but I still haven't really addressed the underlying thoughts of the things that I have to do mm -hmm. um and I think that is maybe um one thing to consider is like how does she feel about these tasks that she has to do um, it's all the, and, and I agree with you too. I mean, we could tell people all day what to do, but I think that our subconscious mind knows better mm -hmm. what needs to be done. Right. And whether it's sub or unconscious also, that's where those underlying beliefs are that we're not aware of that even drive us to do it in the first place. <laughs> Look at Nick's. I feel like a yo-yo. I will have amazing leaps in taking breaks and keeping focus, working out. Then I revert to old habits and forget the benefits. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly right, Nick. <laughs> yeah. This is just it. Um, before we go, I'll just share this with you. I I wax and wane too. I feel like a yo-yo too. And we're humans and there was one point when I was getting into this and I was in the early in my coach training and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm like, what is the point? Like, what is the point of all of this? And I just like started to doubt everything. And I was like, what am I even doing here? And then in the next lesson, the main teacher was like, well, there just is no finish line. And I was like, wait, what, what do you mean? There's no finish line. Like, my whole life is about a finish line, like getting to the next thing and just working, working, working to get to the next thing. And she's like, there's no finish line. So if we're here, then we might as well like make the best of it. And, and for whatever reason that really resonated with me. And so I've been like repeating to myself when I get into these, these situations is I just say, there is no finish line. And it really gives me relief because that makes me feel like there's not this like deadline that I have to reach or something I have to achieve. Just like, yep, there's just no finish line. I'm just going to keep working. My list that used to be like a to-do list that I was kind of um, really devoted to now is just, just a list. And I know it's just not going to end. <laughs> that sounds kind of 
kind of defeatist when I say it that way, but um, yeah. So this is just what it's like to be a human, I guess. The, you know, this is a little bit, you know, kind of A-line stuff, but very similar too, is like, rather than thinking like the whole project, like when I went from the um, employed to a private practice, I had a whole list of things to do. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that really kind of made it better was to kind of pick, I'm going to do this on this time. And I kind of made little short-term deadlines and it, um, you know, it was, it was more just to kind of relieve my mind. It's like, I don't have to do all of this at once, you know? Um, and I think that's the problem is we feel like we have to do all the things at once, which is completely unrealistic. Unre- I mean, because we really won't be able to take a time off. Yeah, that is, that's true. Um, okay. That's five o'clock Pacific standard time. Thank you so much. This is really great. And thank you to Athena for being vulnerable. Um, and we appreciate you. We love you. So we'll see you next time. I think we have book club this weekend. We'll post about that. All right. Have a happy weekend, everybody. Thank you so much.